to stay in your will. Yes, Jesus. Send out what you have for me. Zebredo ye konambahadi aeko baba baba tatetete franta marokondi zebro koriada brodo shtebekete la kuria basanta rabahade le kunanda bradosh kebededi zibrado 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 ilabranunza gadaba Walekuman Zabreketi Zivarabaro Koria Tabradeka Zemenon Tabadidi Zibre Koraba Zebretina Zebretonento Rokoste Bredia Reketenunda Rakataba God, we worship you. We come to do your will. Do your will. Oh. Malikuman Sabadi Glory 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 Yes Glory Glory We give you praise and we worship you Hallelujah to the King Forever let your praises ring this is the song that we'll sing glory glory to the king glory glory to the king glory glory Kopala Anzu, we welcome you tonight as we go on this journey this sacrificial journey, ha! Huh? This journey of encounter, Rakwata Palelo Sabah. These next thirty-eight days of heaven invading the earth. Welcome Yeshua. Welcome Hamashiach, Messiah, Christos. We take the time to welcome you tonight. We say you are in charge. Oh, over these 40 days, you're in charge. 
over these 40 days you're in charge in charge we welcome the ministry of the holy spirit as the regent of this procession we welcome the ministry of angels as deployed by the spirit of grace we welcome the miraculous the prophetic we welcome chains breaking yokes being destroyed bodies being healed destiny is being sent into the orbit of glory we welcome patterns being disintegrated but we welcome that at the entrance of your word there will be light and understanding to every simple heart we welcome illumination exaltation activation by your word let the things upon which we believe be more clearly established in their foundation go ahead of us go with us bring up the rare god to god be the glory great things he has done to god be the glory great things he will do to god be the glory greater things he is doing hallelujah we have your prayer language can we just rattle on the hallelujah thank you thank you thank you thank you tonight lord for healing ulcers ulcers i just i hear the word ulcers i see a red angry thing on your innards your inwards god is healing it tonight healing it the pain will subside it will not it will not come back again it will never come back again says the lord it will never come back again this is permanent deliverance oh hallelujah hallelujah god is healing someone's big toe specifically the big toe whatever is wrong with it we speak healing we speak healing 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 oh jesus come in come in at the start come in at the start and throw your weight about hear me somebody hear me by the spirit um i have a very interesting prophetic word so um i don't know if your mom or dad and i don't know if your child is a boy or girl but your parent you're either watching live now or you will watch the recording your child got involved in a fight or a disagreement may not have been physical with another child in school i'm assuming it's school i don't know could be sunday school football practice whatever but two children got involved in a disagreement and as a result the parent of the other child made an utterance they were upset and they said something and your child has been suffering from strange issues since then 
you may not have put two and two together uh, until now, but as I'm speaking, you will know. Even if you hadn't thought about it before, it will start to make sense. Two children had a squabble. The other parent was upset and said something, made a pronouncement, and maybe even did something outside your hearing. And now your child has been, let's say, under attack. Tonight, God is fighting for your child. The God of your family has picked a fight with the God of that family. And his supremacy will be seen where your child is concerned. Now, we are not praying for damage to the other child. Their child. So we're not asking for an eye for an eye. But I'm asking tonight, I'm declaring that God will fight for your child so conclusively that without harming the other child, their parents will know. God will make a statement that you and your family are off limits from today. Let it be so. In the precious name of Jesus. I, I see there's a woman tonight you've been having a vaginal discharge or infection one or both for a while um, I wouldn't tell you what caused it because you would either not believe me or it would be gross so what caused it is irrelevant although I, I believe the Lord is showing me what caused it um, it's irrelevant but you've been having a vaginal discharge and or infection God is healing you now receive healing in the name of Jesus Stay. that shame Stay. will not return I will that thing that has caused you shame will not return in the name of ooh, thank you Lord thank you thank you thank you unless the Holy Spirit says more final one before we get into the word tonight um you went somewhere or they sent it to you but there's some food you know clearly god you had a witness in your spirit not to eat either you went somewhere or they sent the food to you but there was this food and you knew but either due to pressure you didn't want to offend anybody or maybe you were hungry i don't know you know uh, and so you basically convinced yourself that you would sanctify the food and you would be fine. Um, you convinced yourself, I'll just sanctify the food and I'll be fine. But deep down inside, you know that God would not have had you eat that food that day. And since then, it's caused all kinds of issues, um, including... Um, including something to do with your stomach or pain in your or, or discomfort in your abdominal region lift up your voice or your hands wherever you are and your voice too father i pray for your child i pray for your daughter we evacuate the devil's deposit. 
as you're listening you might if you're listening to me on a phone hold it tight because at any point you may need to run to the toilet because something will begin to shift and find its way out and so we command healing and an evacuation of that deposit you are free never to be bound again now the lord says go and sin no more um and and holy spirit okay um shalom and the lord would have you know that the reason he permitted he didn't cause it but he permitted that attack on you was because you have a a prophetic destiny you have an apostolic prophetic destiny he says and he he is trying to train you for the future shalom he's trying to train you for the future and there are things down the line that could be a matter of life or death there are times where disobeying could cost you or someone else their life and so he says he permitted this attack based on your disobedience about eating that food as a lesson a class of consecration so you can understand the importance of submitting to his voice in your inner ear go and sin no more your calamity is at an end and god will judge from whence the calamity came in the precious name of jesus somebody give the lord a shout of praise all right let us get straight to the word tonight i'm excited tony um when god first gave me this instruction i wasn't excited i said lord we've just finished at the time almost 50 days of fasting i told the leaders in kingdom culture what god said about that but that's a different story for a different day uh and then we've just finished 10 and now 14 days you want me to do another 38 but then when he began to show me prophetically what these next 38 days would bring i i am at peace and so we're going to be here uh almost every night there'll be a few nights where i am not the one teaching we'll bring in the big guns uh a couple of guests to come and bless us dr joke will probably uh take her shot on one or two of the nights but on every four out of five or five out of six nights over the next 38 days i'll be uh your your instructor to the glory of god and for the vast majority of them i'll be here in the studio now i live over an hour away from the studio so it's a it's a sacrifice but we will build the altar together somebody say amen and so if i'm going to make this sacrifice and we're going to make the sacrifice here uh, the least you can do is make the sacrifice to, I mean, life happens. There may be days you can't make it, that's fine. But do try and catch up on the recordings and try and be here live as often as possible. Because we're going through a curriculum and that curriculum will, make, will prepare you. The book of Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 says, And they that know the Lord their God will be strong and do exploits. And, and, and what the Lord has laid on my heart to do. I remember I told you guys before that I was preparing a manual on discipleship. And God told me, I want you to change discipleship in your generation from topical to experiential. He said, start with the premise. Disciple people in me, beginning from the understanding that I am a spirit with demands. 
and let discipleship be about teaching people what and who I am and the demands of my spirit as opposed to a list of rules and regulations that hopefully bring them into encounter with me. In a sense, disciple them for encounter primarily and let the doctrine flow. Does that make sense? Doctrine is not designed to be crammed. It is designed to be lived. And so the disciple from the doctrinal basis of people encountering me for what I say I am and let the instructions flow. And so that's what we're going to do. By the time we're done, see, listen, over these next 38 days, some of you will be better prepared for ministry than any Bible college or school of ministry can make you. And of course, we'll be going straight into the summit on the other side of this journey. And so we will also have been prepared for the encounter that God has for us. Because some encounters have to be prepped for. This summit is an encounter like no other. And so we're going to be raising the energy levels in teaching, blessing, and prophetic declaration every night. So by the time Tuesday the 15th of November comes, boom, someone say boom. It'll be a natural, seamless transition. All right, get out your Bibles tonight. Let's go. Um, let's start from the book of Daniel. Let's start from the book of Daniel. Let's take... Thank you. Just, yeah, down a little bit, down a little bit, off in a bit. Daniel chapter 11. Now, Chrissy, if it's not possible, that's fine, but are you able to help me with the scriptures so I can focus on preaching? I have the most amazing ministry team in the world, from my administrative team to my media team to my prayer and prophetic team. I mean... If I ever doubted that God called me, when I look at the people he's placed around me, it clears up all the doubts. And I love you guys and your sacrifice from the bottom of my heart. So Daniel chapter 11. Hmm. Daniel 11. Let's start from verse 31. Daniel eleven thirty-one. Thank you, Lord. Daniel 11:31 The government shall be upon what Tony his shoulders So an arm shall stand on his part and they shall pollute this is talking about the defilement of the temple and the uh, and the 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 the, the Hebraic customs uh, by the man of sin that Daniel prophesied about and shall take away what shall he take away the daily sacrifice now what was the daily sacrifice that's important to understand the daily sacrifice for the Hebrews was an instruction God gave through Moses that every day there was a morning and an evening sacrifice this was a perpetual covenant of allegiance to the Lord this was a national act of consecration and priesthood. Someone say priesthood. And it's not an accident that when the enemy was coming for Israel, one of the first things he did was attack the daily sacrifice. Secondly, they shall place the abomination that makes desolate. This was literally an idolatrous 
a sculpture that was placed literally in the temple and scholars believe in the holy of holies it was a desolate the enemy was uh de and disenfranchising israel by one removing their priesthood and secondly introducing idolatry in the temple in the system of god encounter um, it is my opinion that this modus operandi has been Satan's go-to plan for all generations. When the devil wants to attack the dealings of God in the generation, two things, usually together in concert. He will attack priesthood. He'll do it by one of a few ways. Number one is he will convince a generation that consecration is too deep that some things are not necessary aka that it doesn't take all that have you heard that before it doesn't take all that that the demands of the aligned life are too onerous you know that um that we have to be, we have to apply wisdom. I've seen parents who were crying to me a year before that their child was either on drugs or, or involved with bad, literal bad gangs or involved in promiscuity or sexual perversion. And the same parent a year later is coming back to me to complain that that same child is praying too much. Fasting too much, reading their Bible too much. And they say things like they want their child to have balance. You know, and um, one of the reasons why I love, if you've heard me refer to her, I absolutely adore Mommy Adedigba, Minister Chrissy's mom. I've known her now for, how long have I known you, Mom? Mommy, since, I've known her since 2005. So that's 17 years. Uh, and I've known her daughter since 2005. And I've been some sort of pastoral official pastoral covering for her daughter since 2007. And she's one of the few parents who never gave me trouble about their children. In fact, she said to me years ago, over 12 years ago, she said, Pastor O, there you go. She said, that's your child. Look after her for us. But I had many parents who would bend my ear off that a child they were asking for prayer for because they wouldn't come home at midnight a year ago is now coming home at 9.30 from Bible study. I had parents call me concerned that their children, during the holidays, not during term time, the university student children, during the holidays, were spending hours praying. That they were concerned. They wanted the child to have balance. Of course, we understand the hyper grace message that has taught us that consecration is irrelevant. Not just, I'm, I'm not even, actually, the real hyper one tells you that being sexually and not sexually, that being pure from sin, all sin, is irrelevant. But then the diluted version is it doesn't tell you to sin, it doesn't tell you not to stay away from sin, it just tells you that you don't need all these things to please God. And there is nothing worse than a partial truth. 
a bold-faced lie. Ooh, I'm out. That's fine. A bold-faced lie, thank you, is far more, it's far easier for God to manage than partial truth. Is there anything you can do to earn your salvation? The answer is no. Is there anything you can do to make God love you more? The answer is no. Is there anything you can do to ratify the cross of Calvary in your life? No. Salvation is by grace through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. Meaning, nothing you can do will effect your salvation. But hear me. The efficacy of your salvation often will be proven by what you do. Doing it doesn't make you saved. Doesn't make you more acceptable to God per se. But the fact that you have been accepted by God will be manifest. Grace is not just saving. There is saving grace. There is teaching grace. And there is ruling grace. Thank you, sir. Read your Bible. Three types of grace. Saving. Teaching. And ruling or performing, not performing your purity, but performing God's work. Paul says, I labored abundantly by grace, he says. So the first level of grace saves you, forgives you, makes you a child of God where you don't deserve to be. The second level of grace, according to Titus chapter 2, write this down, Titus chapter 2, teaches you. We'll come there in a second. It shows you what heaven would want from you. And then the third level of grace is the ruling or performing grace. It empowers you to exercise a divine assignment. And so, as in the days of Daniel, let's go back there, Chrissy. As in the days of Daniel, the enemy wants both the sacrifice, meaning the altar. And this, it is this daily sacrifice God is referring to in the, in the writings of Paul when he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. In essence, this was the core of Israel's covenant with God. And secondly, he brings abomination into the temple. He brings idolatry. He brings uh, uh, corruption into the house of God. And we see that in our day. There is an entire generation of believers who has had the priesthood attacked and we celebrate abominations raised up. In the name of the temple. Now look at verse 32. And such as do wickedly against the covenant. These things are an act of wickedness against the covenant. See. Uh, help me out. You need to understand. Satan is very meticulous. See, Satan doesn't have a problem with you first of all. Are you aware Tony? He has no personal issue with you personally. He has a problem with God, right? With the office of the image of God in the earth, held by man and the church, more specifically, and the connection between the two. You are collateral damage, or you will be collateral damage if you don't know what to do, in something that predates you. Satan's first problem is with God, Yahweh. He has a problem. He's jealous. He thinks he should have a shot at being, or he should have had a shot at being God. He's bitter at him. Number two is, he is bitter at the fact that he was usurped and his kingdom was usurped and placed under the authority of an entity called man 
who in his eyes is beneath him. We're fashioned from clay. We're weak. The Bible says we're a little lower than the Elohim in our construct, but he has crowned us with glory and honor and set us over the works of his hand, including Satan and that kingdom. So there is beef there. And then thirdly, the third thing Satan is angry at is the connection between God and that office. It is called a covenant. Satan cannot attack God. And in man's standing, he cannot attack man. Satan can do nothing against God and do nothing against man in his rightful place. So his third and only option is to always attack the covenant. Whatever the covenant is. And this covenant has, has morphed in its expression, even though it's the same in its identity. God has always wanted to be Emmanuel, God among us. It started in the garden. It will end in the new Jerusalem. That the, the entirety of the covenant system of God with man has been to facilitate Emmanuel, God among us. But the expression, koinonia with Adam in the garden, then Adam fell, then the Levitical sacrifices, uh, first by God slaying the, the lamb, then by the patriarchs, then by the priests, then by Jesus and the new covenant. All of that has always been to establish the living... Slow down, Israel. It's not the quorum. It's a discipleship class. Slow down. The purpose has always been that God can live and dwell and function practically in and among his people. The covenant, whatever covenant is in operation at any time in biblical history, has always been to facilitate that desire. Somebody say amen in the comment section if you understand me so far. So the enemy's assignment is to attack that covenant. And there's a few ways he can attack it. First of all, like he did with Eve in the garden, he can attack your ignorance. This is the warfare of ideologies. This is where false doctrine comes in. And that's why our generation needs apostolic gifts that are equally, and prophetic gifts too, that are equally proficient on both sides of the fivefold. Let me explain. I like to see the fivefold as a spectrum with evangelist in the middle, apostle on one side, and teacher on the other. The exact order it was listed. Now, this is my personal uh, learning aid. Because when you understand the function of each gift, and oh, by the way, we announced that after the summit, we're going to do a 12-week uh, school of apostolic ministry. This is, this, this is a school of kingdom life and apostolic life we're doing for 38 days. After the summit, we'll do a school for 12 weeks of apostolic ministry. If you're a pastor, get ready. Get your people around the TV screen. Also, if you want to come into the studio at any time, you're more than welcome to do so. Uh, if you know where to find us. And if you don't know, send us an email at contact at kculture.org. All right, so where was I? Covenant, right? Was that where I was? Covenant? Yes, yeah, so he'll attack it by false or faulty ideology. 
He can also attack it by attack on you. In essence, he can seduce you into unrighteousness and iniquity such that you break the covenant. Thirdly, he can afflict you such that your faith in God and belief in his covenant is affected. So the three ways Satan goes for the covenant. Number one is by attacking your theology or doctrine. Number two is by seducing you into unrighteousness and impurity. So you, by your actions, break the covenant. And number three is that he will afflict you so that your pain and misery at the affliction, like Job and his wife, will make you want to curse God and die. Can I get a witness, somebody? And so this week, or these 38 days, we're going to be dealing with all three. How? Well, let's go back to Daniel, Chrissy. This is what Daniel prescribed. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Someone say no. Now, Chrissy, give us that word no in the Hebrew, please. Now, Ginosko is a Greek word. Give us that word no in the Hebrew. Let people see what it is. The people that do know their God. It's the word yadar. That word is translated three... Click on it, Chrissy. Let's not, not scroll down. Okay. So, look at how it's translated in the Bible. No. Go up a bit. Up, up. You're going the wrong way. Up. No, go up the screen, up the, the page. Thank you. Stop. Cool. Know, known, knowledge, perceive. Listen, show, tell, understand, certainly, acknowledge, acquaintance, consider, declare, teach. Now come down. Outline of biblical usage. This is how the world is used in the Bible. To know, to perceive, to find out, to discern. Listen, to discriminate, to distinguish, to know by experience, to recognize, admit, confess, consider, to be acquainted with. Are you hearing me, somebody? To know, someone say carnally. In essence, sexual intercourse. To be skillful in, to have knowledge, to have knowledge, to be wise, to be made known, to cause to know, to be revealed. In essence, this is not head knowledge. You know, growing up in Nigeria, we'd call it book sense. This is not book sense. This is not the human educational systems that prepare you to cram and regurgitate facts, but not to live and experience those facts in everyday life. Notice the smartest kid in class, in school, isn't always the most successful adult in the real world. Daniel said... There is a bunch of people that will know. They will be acquainted with, listen, they will have rigorously interrogated their God. So this is not that you, you, you just take on board what your pastor know. A group of people will arise who will have proven the practical reality of who their God is. Of course, it must start from them being instructed in him, but they will have lived out the reality of who their God is. The Bible says it is this people that will first be strong. The word strong in the Hebrew there means will have endurance. 
resistance to certain things. They will not be swept away by the spirit of the age. And secondly, they will do exploits. These are the people who God will be using in this season of Bukhar to accomplish spectacular things. Verse 33 says, And they that understand among the people shall instruct many, colon, yet they shall fall by the sword and by flame, blah, blah. In essence, several people in these days will be at the mercy of demonic and satanic agenda. So even though we're going to instruct many, some people will still be calamities, sadly. Now, you're going to make up your mind, you're not going to be a casualty. Either of sin, of apostasy, of affliction. That's why these 38 days were coming in teaching, blessing, and prophetic declaration. It's not just going to be doctrine. There's going to be the manifestation of the power of the Spirit to confirm His Word. But those of us that understand, the Bible says... We must instruct many. Someone say many. Because these are not the days of one superstar preacher and millions of people worshiping him or her. No. What God wants to do in our generation will take the entire church. Human beings alone cannot be full avatars of God any longer. I told you guys, right? A, a, a man can be an avatar of a demon. A demon is a very limited spirit. See, a demon is so limited, Tony, that 3,000 could fit in one man. That's how limited, talk to me in the comment section, somebody. That's how limited a demon is. That a human being can house 3,000 legion, remember? For we are many. Minimum 3,000 legion. Minimum. A legion of soldiers is a minimum of 3,000. So it is very easy for a human being to be the avatar of a demon. Because that demon is very finite. But our God is, emit, is, is infinite. He is unsearchable. The Bible says no one man can completely represent his glory in any dispensation. It will take the entire body of Christ to fully reveal who he really is. So those of us who understand must instruct many. Somebody say instruct many. So this journey, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. The bandwidth just shifted. The atmosphere literally in the spirit just shifted. My ears literally in the spirit popped. Something's about to happen. Okay, thank you, Lord. This is part of my contribution towards instructing many, but I'm asking those, the rest of you to please go and instruct many. Don't, don't, don't sit on this. Right? Use it. Fathers and mothers, use it to instruct your children. Pastors and ministers, you, you have my blessing. Right? There's no copyright on this. You have my blessing. Now, you might want to copy it right. Don't say the Holy Ghost said, you know, just say, I was listening to another man of God. You don't even need to call my name. Just be honest. Right? Also, if God leaves in your heart to, you know, write a check, do so. But there's no copyright. Use it. It's for the kingdom. An army is rising out of these days that the devil will never recover from. So let's now begin our journey. That was the introduction for the 38 days. Are you ready? Let us begin our journey. Come with me to the book of John, chapter 4. 
The people who say the Sermon on the Mount was the, cent was the central portion of the gospel, of the kingdom, sorry. I beg to disagree. The Sermon on the Mount, on the Mount, is very close to the center of the kingdom. It is the next, in essence, it is the second most central portion of the message and concept of the kingdom. What do you think? What's, what's wrong with this camera, Tony? Is it, is it on? Is it coming on? I haven't seen it in a while. Let's check, make sure it's still there. Uh, it should be by far the most constant one. But in my opinion, the central portion of the gospel, of the kingdom, sorry, is John chapter 4. So Chrissy, please, John chapter 4. This is the story of Jesus meeting the woman at the well. I could spend a year preaching John chapter 4, but I will not. How he came to the city, he had to go through her, to the city. How he met the woman, how she's a metaphor of the church, how she's at a well because most of the patriarchs met their wives or did significant business at wells. How he was tired. Remember Jesus is the body of Christ? Come down, Chrissy. How he was tired with his journey. The fact that it was the sixth hour. How she, he asked her of what, all those beautiful things, right? But because of time, how he says, if you knew the gift of God in verse 10 and you knew, in essence, if you discern me correctly, you would know what to receive from me. But, 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 but there's no time for all that. Let's, go down, Chrissy. Go down, Chrissy. How he said, if you drink of the water I'm about to give you, you'll never thirst again. These are all amazing elements. How he asked her for her husband. How she currently didn't have a husband, but she'd had five. And the one she was living with was not her husband. And she was soon going to be married to the kingdom. Seven dispensations of grace and truth. Of the kingdoms, dispensations of, 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 of human history. But we now get to verse 21. The woman in verses 17, 18, and 19 is demonstrating, remember she's a metaphor of the church, she's demonstrating her, her, lack, of, her lack of priority. She wants to get into a theological debate with Jesus. She says, Jesus, I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew, y'all believe you should worship in jerusalem we believe we should worship in the mountain now you must understand the jews disdained in fact till today the jews still have disdain current day disdain for samaritans why because a samaritan is to the jew i'm not going to use the word because they're human beings but you know the same way uh using the n-word even to describe what somebody else said doesn't make it any less evil. I don't want to repeat what they call Samaritans. But let's just say it's similar to what Jesus called the Psychophoenician woman. The Gentiles were called dogs. I'll say it because it's just the truth. Samaritans were referred to as a special type of dog. A dog with no breed. The M word. A dog that has no pure breed because it has been intermixed right m-o-n-g-r-e-l and
and the reason was not only were they the products of Jews in um, captivity and oppression, intermarrying with strange cultures and having children of mixed bloodlines, these strange cultures then influenced the Hebraic customs and laws to where they were in their eyes and rightfully so corrupted. For instance, the, uh, the Samaritan Bible has over 300 differences from the Hebrew Bible. And many of them are egregious when you read them. So there was obviously a corruption of the faith and the covenant with God among the Samaritans. And, and, and it, it stemmed from the sons of Solo, the, 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 sorry, Solomon's son Rehoboam when he messed up and he lost half the kingdom. The, the guy who took the other half, Jeroboam, wanted to stop Israel from ever going back, or the northern tribes, from ever going back to the kingship of David's line. So he erected idols in the northern kingdom and corrupted the practice of, 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 of Hebraic worship to fit those idols and those locations and also usurped the date of the Hebrew feasts and customs. In essence, a human being was trying to build his kingdom. He did not want to leave people to the kingship of the line of David, a metaphor of Christ. And so to, to validate his importance and to maintain his authority, he corrupted the practices of God and the doctrine and practices of, a ge of generations. Does that sound familiar to what has gone on in the church today? And so this is how the Samaritans were born. That's the beginning of the journey descent into it. And so she is arguing with Jesus now, in essence, what's the right theology? So everything has been corrupted. There's all kinds of nonsense going on in the church in the name of doctrine and, and precepts. And many of us who believe we have the real truth, and maybe we most likely do, we get drawn into, in essence, it becomes a theological debate. She says, where should we worship? Our father said Samaria. You guys say Jerusalem. Jesus, Chris, let's go back there. Jesus first says, for starters, let's make it clear that you are concerned with the wrong question. She said, woman, or he said, woman, believe me, the hour comes, some translations say, and now is, when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem, in essence, your understanding of this issue is faulty if location is brought into the equation. Now, Chrissy, can we see what the word worship is? Because many people have taught this scripture about singing. Does that make sense? It's the word proskuneo. I think you've passed it, Chrissy. Oh, there it is. Proskuneo. Let's look at what proskuneo means. Now, the definition. Let's go down to the definition. Keep going down. Not the usage, the definition. Keep going down. Keep going down. So it says strong definition. Keep going down. Trust me. Trust me. Keep going down. Down, not up. There we go. Stop. A probable derivative of a word, which we will see, meaning to kiss like a dog licks his master's hand, to fawn over or to crouch to listen, literally or figuratively, to prostrate oneself in homage, to do reverence, 
to adore. Now let's go back up to the two, uh, to, to the two root words. Keep going up. Stop. Now, so two root words. The first is the word pros. Let's see what it means. It literally means for or towards or near. It means it, 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 it's, a, it's a preposition that places a spotlight on the thing it's referring to. So when I say I am pro-something, e.g. pro-life or pro-choice, the argument going on in many parts of the world today, I'm saying I either support, quote-unquote, the right of a fetus, or some people believe the right of the mother to decide whether the fetus should live or not. I, now, I, I think we're very clear where I stand on that and where the Bible stands, but that's not the focus of today. If we say I am pro-gun rights, it means I am in support. So pro simply is pointing to something else. Pro simply means, hey, that thing is important. Now let's look at the second root word. It's the word kion. Someone say kion. Or kuon. Now what does kuon mean? That's the kineo part. Look at now Strong's definition. Properly, it's referring to either a normal human being, meaning an, an, a flawed human being, or a dog. Metaphorically, listen, in various senses, but always reproachful. Right? In essence, it's saying this thing is not important. Let's go back up, Chrissy. Stay with me. Stay with me. To the very top. Very, very top. Notice it's a root word. In essence, other words proceed from this. Now, in essence, you can, a root word is a word in a language from which you can build successive layers of thought or ideas. So, pros kineo is, in essence, something, your, your, the pro is, talk, is pointing to something, right? The kineo talks about how something is not important. In essence, it is, it is inferior, let's put it that way. When you put them together, you're basically saying to act inferior to something. So to worship means to, in your mind and in your behavior, demonstrate the reality that in comparison to something else, you are irrelevant. Stay with me. This is the first thing you must understand. That God is not primarily requesting a friendship or even a partnership, or even, listen to me, even a sonship. These are all outworkings of his relationship with us. But it must start with the understanding that you are God 
and in 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 comparison i am irrelevant outside your grace it's what the, the, the psalmists who call themselves worms now it's not it's not to be gnostic it's not to be it, it doesn't violate the new covenant it's just simply saying see i have to bear in mind that any sense of value i have is in itself intrinsic in you connected or compared to you i am of no value this is the concept of the fear of god it doesn't mean you always have your knees knocking say oh lord don't kill me although there are dimensions of the fear of god that will bring that trust me if you walk with god as long as i have and you have enough encounters with his presence there will be days where you literally feel trepidation at him but it simply means i am so concerned about your opinion because you and i are not on the same level so in my mind and in my actions I must constantly live out that reality that you are high and I am in comparison below low. Are you all with me? Talk to me in the comment section. It's, 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 uh, it's getting quiet here. So the argument of where was irrelevant. Jesus was saying, you have focused on the where. Where is an example of a contextual or religious context the same could be said of how because bear in mind if you worship in jerusalem you have access to the temple the holy of holies the ark or the covenant right the levitical sacrifices the incense if you worship in the mountain you don't have access to those things so this is not about singing it's not about whether you like maverick music or don Muen. whether you're a theophilos sunday guy right or you believe in psalmist reign no no that, that's not what the question was the question was are you focused on proscenioing or on the expressions that changed in each generation of what proscenio should look like abraham's proscenio looked different from moses's proscenio Moses' proskineo looked different from David's proskineo. David's proskineo looked different from Jesus' proskineo while he was alive. And even Jesus' proskineo while he was alive is a little, not more, but a little different from the proskineo of the apostles in the book of Acts. So God, Jesus was telling the church, the woman, honey, can we ignore the religious expressions for a second and deal with the root that your life must be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable? Romans says, this is your reasonable act of worship. In essence, he was telling the woman, what I want is proskineo and it must be the, ev the, the consecration or the altar of a consecrated life in essence what you and i call righteousness holiness purity all these things simply should be what 
demonstrate to the object of our worship that we proskineo him. Are you with me? What in every season of your life and in every dispensation of humanity, what demonstrates as the sacrifice of your life that you proskineo God, meaning that you are aware that compared to you, he is mighty and compared to him, you are puny. Tony, if the church understands that, 99% of discipleship, doctrine, and even questions like, what should I do with my life? What's my purpose? Will sort themselves out. It's very Catholic in the comment section tonight. I told you guys, I've I preached, you know, I once ever, I had the privilege of addressing, not in their sanctuary, but I was called to a function after the service. And there's a b bunch of Catholic priests and leaders there, and I was given a chance to address them. And I got more interaction from them than I'm doing from you guys tonight. And supposedly, y'all are Penty Rascals and you do carry antics, aka Pentecostals and Charismatics. And so, oh, let's go further. It goes deeper. Chris, let's go back. It goes deeper. So he first of all says, see, the issue here is proskineo, not expression. The issue is not a list of rules. The issue is, are you living out through the sacrifice of your life the reality that this being who has chosen to make covenant with you is radically on a different level to you. And therefore he must be treated with that level of... Un so in, in comparison to him, do you see yourself as a dog? Now, hear me, for those of you who are like, my new covenant, relax. Even the concept of grace depends on this because grace is not amazing. Grace is not amazing if you think you and God are on the same level. It is only amazing because you realize that you don't deserve the sonship he's offered. So even the concept of walking in the grace of the new covenant must first start with the understanding that before grace came into effect, you and God were a gnat and a son apart. A gnat and a son. And therefore, it is the first job of grace to, to, to make you understand that that son has chosen to dwell in you, the gnat, and treat you as an extension of his DNA. Wow. Now, if you understand that, even grace will not be a license for you to misbehave. It will be an occasion to demonstrate your honor and gratitude. You spend the rest of your life, Tony, trying to live out your honor and gratitude. Secondly, he then tells the woman, you are prosconeoing something you don't know. Or let me, let me rephrase that. You're attempting to proskineo 
an entity you have no clue about. And Jesus is saying that to his church today. Hear me, Tony. Hear me, hear me, hear me, those of you online. The vast majority, sadly, of the so-called Christian world does not know who or what they worship. Notice, Jesus doesn't say you don't know who you worship. He says you don't know what you worship. Because God is both a who and a what. I am both Israel and daddy. Does that make sense? I'm Israel to my friends. That's my, I'm Israel, period. My, 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 my passport says Israel. Right? It's there. It also says Illumide. That's also there. It's my legal name. It's my government name, as we say. So, if Kadesh knows Israel and he doesn't know Daddy, there's a problem. Because Israel doesn't take him to school or pick him up from school. See, if, if all there was to me was objective Israel, my children would never go to school because I can't, I don't like the school run. It drains me of spiritual energy. By the time I do the school run every day, I want to beat somebody. I feel drained. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on with this connection, Tony. Is there anything connected that shouldn't be? But daddy understands that my children must go to school. Israel would like to buy a different pair of shoes every month. Daddy understands there must be food on the table. Does that make sense? Mommy would like to hang out with her boo, me. Or Ajakes, sorry, would like to hang out with her boo, me. But mommy understands that there are responsibilities to her sons. God is both a who and a what. And to fully know him, those, those that know their God. Notice, let's go back to Daniel, uh, Chrissy, Daniel chapter 11. Let's, 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 you know, we've got 38 days so we can take our time. Amen. We've got 38 days so we can take our time. Shebrata. We speak healing to someone's rotator cuff. There's a person with a wounded rotator cuff. So, Chrissy, Daniel 11, speak healing to you. 32. Show us the interlinear, please. Daniel 11, 32. Keep coming down. Keep coming down. Those that do know up a little bit, they are God. I'm looking for their God. Please, everybody, can you say what that, that word is in Hebrew? What is the word for their God there? Someone say Elohim. Someone say Elohim. It doesn't say Yahweh. I've taught this at the quorum. 
When the Bible refers to God as Yahweh, he's talking about him as an individual. When he refers to him as an Elohim, it's referring to Yahweh is the king Elohim. He's the prime Elohim. He's not the only one. I'll show you tomorrow. He's the father of all spirits. But he's not the only spirit. He's referred to here as Elohim because the element of knowledge that brings strength and exploits is the what of God. The element that brings intimacy, right? And conformity is the who. And God never intended them to be separated. The what of God will place him within the confines of your scepter of righteousness at your, will place his abilities at your disposal. The who of God will place his intimacy and his confidence, meaning he's confiding in you. So Abraham is called the friend of God. The Bible says Moses knew, uh, Israel slowed down. So, okay, let's go there, let's go there. Let's go there. Let's go there, let's go there. Chrissy, Psalm 103. Because I don't want you to say I made any of this up. You see why we need 38 days? Okay. Um, when you see a man consistently walk in both power and purity with God, he knows something you don't know. Tony, I can't lay hands on you and impart my mantle. Elisha had to follow Elijah for between 5 and 15 years. The mantle on day one was a mess. It was saying this is your birthright. Elijah had enough sense to know the things I need to learn and observe. Does that make sense? So if, if you will become what somebody is, oil won't do it. And this age of give me 15 minute church, 10 minutes praise and worship, five minutes announcement, 15 minutes word, 10 minutes dancing, let's go. That's why we are where we are. So if you want what I have, Tony, it took me, see, I've been walking, by February next year, I would have been walking with God for 33 years. February next year, we 33 years. It's taking time to develop what has made me me i can't give it to you with hands lane i also can't give it to you by teaching you but i can make it available to you by teaching you for you to press into it and when you've pressed into it i can ratify it by laying hands there's too many people like me Tony, you're right i won't do it Oil will just make you slippery and fall. There's too many people like me, right, who have withheld this from a generation because we want you to worship us. We want to be special. Because by the time I'm done with this 38 days, some things won't, some things won't bamboozle you anymore. There's some things you, won't, you, you won't be like, wow, Rev is so deep anymore because you'll have access to it too. And that's what God wants. Psalm 103.
Now, Christy, jump to verse 12. For me, jump to verse 12. Pause. We like to quote this, right? As far as the east is from the west, he's removed our transgressions from us. Like a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. He knows our frame. You know, those are good things, right? In essence, this is a psalmist telling you what he knows of God. And so when you quote those things, you're quoting another man's revelation. In Psalm 102, the chapter before, the Bible says in verse 13, don't go there because of time. He says, the time to favor Zion, the said time has come. But now let's go to the top of Psalm 103. Let's see what's in between. It being time to favor Zion, which is Psalm 102, 13, and the manifestation of the favor, which is Psalm 103 from verse 12. Let's look at what's in the middle, Psalm 103. Bless all my soul, forget all his benefits. He forgives you, blah, 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 blah. Verse 7. He made known his ways. Somebody say his ways. Somebody say the who of God. To Moses. And his what? His acts. Somebody say the what of God. To Israel. Israel was worshipping a what. Moses was worshipping both a who and a what. You must understand, God is both a personality and a system. God doesn't have systems. God is a system. The same way fatherhood is a system. Being a husband is a system. Jesus tells, back to John 4, the woman, you are aware of the who. You don't even know him well, though. You've not met him. You've not had dinner with him. <laughs> but you're aware of a who. But you don't know what you're worshipping. John 4. Christine. You don't know what you worship. He then says, we the Jews, listen, we know what we worship. So the Jews got the what. In essence, if you want to understand what, study the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the presentation of God as a what. Every Levitical practice, every mosaic instruction is designed to communicate the what of God. What is he? Jesus answers the question. Next verse, Chrissy. What is God? The hour cometh and now is when true proskuneos will proskuneo God in spirit. We're going to come there tomorrow or, 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 or the day after. And truth. Call on, why? The only reason why you are allowed to worship God is God is seeking worship. 
that that's a different that that's a different fact that's that's not even for this 38 days that's a different curriculum there would be no vacancy for you to worship god if god didn't decide he wanted to be worshiped god is spirit chrissy give us the interlinear of that please because i want you to see that the a there does not exist in the original language. <laughs> Somebody tell my wife to stop harassing me. She's sending me private messages. Tell Pastor Jake to leave me alone <laughs> until I get home. Then she can hug me all she wants. <laughs> Moving on. Marry somebody who you enjoy being hugged by. 18 years after you meet them. 18 years later, I still enjoy being hugged by my wife. I'm a livid dear. Right, so. Let's go there, Chrissy. I'm not sure what's wrong with this connection today, but I'm not happy with it. Anyway. Scroll up a little bit. Chris, scroll up a little bit, please. A bit more. Thank you. God is the word Theos. Theos, and I tell you that even the word Theos itself means more than just Yahweh. There's a class of being called Theos, but that's a different story. Theos Numa. Someone say Theos Numa. Theos Numa Kai, meaning and. Theos Numa meaning God's spirit and, right? Keep going. God's spirit and whole meaning and what? Ah, okay. It's okay. Let's just, just come out. Let's come on. Let me, let me, let me, color time. Let me summarize it. This is what it literally says in the Greek. God, spirit. So, worship in spirit and truth. Now, I see the place of the is, the A is irrelevant. God is not a spirit. God is spirit. He's the very definition of spirit. In essence, it's like saying um, Adam is man. It means every other human being came from Adam. Adam was the Adam was Adam was the Adam was not Adam was not just a man. There was a point in time when Adam was the only man. When the definition of man was Adam. Over thousands of years, there are now many other men, but they all find their origin in the prototype of Adam. It's the same thing means when it says God is spirit. However, I'm going to add the A. I'm going to, I'm going to permit the A to make a point that is very important. You can, also, you can get away with saying God is a spirit, but then that comes with very interesting connotations. So the what, remember he says you don't know what you worship. He then defines the what, spirit. So he's saying you people are unprofitable in the understanding 
that what you are proscenuing to is a person with the name true, but is a spirit. Does that make sense? The what is, meaning the fact that God is, in bracket, a spirit, completely switches up the entire understanding of how you must and should relate with him. Remember, he wants you to present your life a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. Romans 12, this is your reasonable worship. Meaning, what we call discipleship is not teaching you how to behave. It's teaching you how to worship. Discipleship is the study of how to worship God. Somebody write that down. Israel Illuminates Chavez Dictionary. Discipleship is teaching another person how to worship God. Or something. Whatever the thing is you're worshiping. Right? Now, what you call worship is singing or liturgical practice. What God calls worship according to Romans 12 is the sum total of your life lived in consecration to him. Right? And the Bible says, Jesus tells us. Now, if anybody should know, it should be Jesus. If anybody should be at the authority on who, what God is, and how to connect to him. It should be Jesus. The Bible calls him the express image of God. That's for later on in these 38 days. Because when the Bible says God makes man in our image and our likeness, I've read several books and I've had several pastors or preachers try to define what the image of God is. And almost all of them get it completely wrong. The image is simple. Christ is the express image of God. So when God made man in his image, listen, this is not part of the curriculum, but it makes me, this, this is dancing revelation. He made man, there's a reason why Jesus is called the last, oh, he's, he's last, he's not second. He, he is the second, but he's primarily, they, they not, so when the Antichrist comes, he's false because he's trying to be the third. Jesus was the second Adam. Why? Because Jesus was the second image of God. Simple. But you are not an image of God. True. Relax. God made man in his image. Listen, in his image, right? Who's man? Adam. When Adam fell, the image was corrupt. So you and I, minus Jesus, are the perverted image of God. Adam and Jesus were the only two entities at any point in history where you could count Eve as well before they fell who were the expressed image of God. And notice, Adam himself was not the full image of God after Eve came out. He was now a divided image because God created them in his image, male and female. The image of God was both male and female. When God separated them, he separated his image into two containers. So Adam before Eve was the first ever image of God in his perfection. Christ was the second ever. Simple. That's the image of God, but I digress. So what is God's image? Look at Christ. What Christ was, was God's image. Does that make sense? What Jesus was on earth, that was the image of God. So if you want to know what the image of God is, study it. Study Jesus. But I digress. He says, you don't know what you worship. He then tells the woman, what you worship is Numa, a.k.a. Elohim. That's what Daniel said 
or, the, or, the, or should I say not Daniel, the angel said to Daniel, they that know their Elohim, meaning there are others. But if you understand the concept of what an Elohim is and means, you become strong and do exploits. If you can relate, yada. So you don't need to be a Christian to have some level of strength and some level of exploits. You can be a Sangoma. Why? Because the Sangoma also yadas Elohim. And that's why the most effective believers in the hands of God are usually those who come from the demonic realm because they have done their PhD in Elohim. They understand the what. They just need to learn the who. But many believers keep studying the who intellectually. Because listen, you can't experience the who without the what. Because the who is spirit. So to have a living relationship with the who you still need a functional understanding of the what. Israel understood the what. Moses graduated with his understanding of the what. He then stepped a step further into the who. And that's why God called him his friend. Same thing with Abraham. So throughout history, God's favorite people are people who know both the who and the what. But... The majority of the church is trying to find the who. And you hear me, I, I submit to you the who is the most important. I get it. I just spent four days teaching you about the scepter of righteousness. And you'll see, in case you want, you'll see over the next 38 days that my priority is on the intimate relationship with the who. I'm just telling you, you cannot really, okay, so let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me help you out. Remember Peter told us that if you are going to dwell with a woman, Men, listen to me, including men who intend to be married. Tony, are you ears? Okay. Are you all ears? Okay, cool. So, um, you, you might be chronological older, but in this area of dwelling with a woman, I'm a little older, right? Yes, in dwelling with one woman. So, um, I've been dwelling with this woman from a, a little bit of, from afar for 18 years in a relationship for about 16 and in marriage for over 12. So I, I know a thing or two that Peter is telling the truth. He says you must dwell with her. Who is the her? The who? According to knowledge. Knowledge of a what? What is the what? That she's a woman. Men, listen to me. 50% of your frustration in marriage or dating is you have forgotten there is a woo in front of her man. That's why you must woo her. I digress. If you will dwell with a woman, a what? You must dwell with the who, the her, According to knowledge, there are two dimensions of the knowledge. The first dimension is what she is. The second dimension is who 
she is as a particular type of what? So, if you don't have knowledge about women, you will have trouble. The average woman is raised to understand men, both good and bad. That's why they're good at seduction. It's part of understanding men, right? By the time an unsaved girl is 20, she has had an education in destroying a man's life by seduction if she wants to. Even things like when we tell young girls, dress modestly, that in itself is an education. Be careful, you know, you know, and don't, 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 they say things like, don't, um, don't talk to strange men. It's an education that strange men are attracted to her. So by the time she's 21, she has a university degree to some degree on at least the sensual part of a man. Tony, we men, we don't teach, women teach their daughters about men. Men don't teach our sons about women. Even the patriarchal dimension of society, by the way, I'll be done uh, by nine o'clock today, guys. I will be done at nine or before, I promise you. By nine, we will be sharing the grace. Um, even, because on weekends, we'll take slightly longer to nine. Weekdays will be done in 90 minutes over these 38 days. Tony, even, Even the patriarchal, misogynistic cultures many of us grew up in, the fact that society was misogynistically patriarchal was teaching women about men. And the fact that we, it was misogynistic, meaning women were not important, was indirectly failing to teach men about women. So by the time the average young man gets married between the ages of 25 and 35, he is oblivious about a what. See, he met the who at the dinner. He met the who in the cinema. He met the who at Nando's or TGI Fridays. He took the who on a date. He may even have had premarital relationships with the who. And he's sure that he knows her. He will argue with you. He, I know my girlfriend. And then the day after he gets married, he wakes up in the morning and he finds out that there is a what in the same house as him. And if that who, the knowledge of the who, isn't contextualized in the what, that marriage will break. I am of the opinion that 90% of marriages fail on the man, not the wife. Hear me? Not, not all. 90% of marriages fail. Now, I'm not saying they fail because the man is wicked. No, 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 no. Many times the woman is actually horrible and the man is like, what have I done? What's going on here? But 90% of marriages turn on the, the bankruptcy of understanding of a man as to what a woman is. Are you hearing me, somebody? I'm saving your life. Because if you first understand what a woman is, it will help you choose the right who of the women. You need to know what a woman was designed to be, 
what the sin of Adam has made a woman post-fall, right? And then amongst fallen humanity, what God's standard of a fallen woman is. So in essence, yes, she's not perfect because of the sin of Adam, but the Bible still has an... And then you can then judge your who, your bay, the one whose curves you like against that understanding and make up your mind. When I get into this relationship where I can't drop the phone on you, we can't take a break from each other for a week. We live in the same bed. Not same room, same bed. This is not beloved class. Let's move on. It's not beloved school of, of, of marriage class. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, it's the same thing with God. If you're going to dwell with him, you have to first know what he is. Says we in essence, if you're going to proskineo, if you're going to exalt a being above yourself, that's what proskineo means. If you're going to live a life that elevates the importance of a being in comparison to you, you don't, you can't just know who the being is. You need to know what a, what the being is. In essence, you first need to understand what it means to be a spirit. And I submit to you as I begin to move to round up tonight, because I'm going to pray in a second. Help me out, honey. As I, su- I submit to you that 99% of the demands of Scripture become perfectly understandable and common sense, Tony, when you start with the understanding that you are worshipping a spirit. This is what I would say one of the top five or maybe top three keys that turned in me that unlocked the dimension of God as he is and will be in my life in this next season. If you ask me to name the three most important things I discovered in my walk of life and destiny, this will be one of the three. God, Yahweh, is spirit. Theos Numa. And the average 21st century believer in the Western world has been taught the exact opposite unintentionally. It's not just that we don't teach you God is a spirit. We have despiritualized God. We've gone out of our way to remove the mystic dimension of the person we're trying to disciple you after. We've, we, see, it, it, it's almost like it is offensive to present the faith in its spiritual condition. We, 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 have, we have so logicalized and sanitized it within the context of our own modern day, post-modern, post-ecclesial church model. That the average Christian has been told, God is truth. Hear me. The modern day believer has been taught that God is truth. I take that back. Because even God being truth would be okay. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That would be okay per se. We've been told that God is a body of truth. 
God is a compendium. In essence, God is Logos. But we forgot the Logos came and became flesh. But we also forgot the Bible says Logos was with God and the Logos was God and was with God and he says he had a glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Remember? So then the Logos wasn't just a, 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 a set of rules like biology or sociology. The Logos itself was a living person. So in essence, when we ask a, when we ask a modern believer or modern human being, what is biology? He points at a textbook. If you asked the ancient Hebrew, what is biology? He would point at nature. Does that make sense? To you and I, biology is a textbook. To the ancient Hebrew, biology was nature. And the textbook was man's attempt to describe nature in language. Does that make sense? That's the relationship between God slash Jesus and the Bible. The Logos is not the Bible, that's the graphic. Logos is not even the understanding contained in the Bible. The Logos is a human being. Oh, sorry, it's not human. Logos is a being, a personality who, with living, walking, breathing tendencies, with moods, emotions, preferences, desire. Are you hearing me? With, with idiosyncrasies. The concepts that were then written in the Bible were man's understanding of what the Logos was like. I repeat, we point to a textbook as biology. The Asian Hebrew pointed to nature as biology. They didn't have textbooks. The Bible says Solomon wrote proverbs about several things. Those were, the, in essence, he was writing about things he experienced. Does that make sense? In the same vein, God is spirit. We will see in a few days that he is a special kind of spirit. So, when, by the time we get to the who, we would have passed the what. There are attributes to God, Yahweh, Tony, that all spirits share. All spirits share. All spirits share some of God's attributes. Does that make sense? All spirits. In essence, they think, and this may sound... This may sound like, like heresy. There are things about God you can learn by studying the devil. If you want to, I don't suggest you do, but you can. You can. You can if you wanted to. Because all the devil ever did was copy his father, his maker. He's a, he's a fallen, perverted copy of the original. He's a fallen, perverted limited there's far more to god than his mind could ever understand but what he is is a subset of god fallen and perverted and copied so we're going to start our first section of this journey by unpacking the fact that god is spirit and you will see why people who cross over from the occult world usually do well in God if they find him for real. Because for them, the first part of the curriculum has already been learned. They don't need to relearn the concept of dealing with a spirit. You will see that what you call 
the laws of God are simply the prescriptions that make a spirit or make your personal environment conducive for a spirit. I'll show you that on the day of atonement, which we just passed, the priest was to take two goats. One to put the sin of Israel on and kill. That goat was called for the Lord. The other one was called the scapegoat. Now, you see, we, 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 we got that wrong in, in English. The scapegoat was not the one that was killed. The scapegoat was one that was released. Now, usually when we say somebody's a scapegoat, we mean they take the fall for someone else. No, that's... That, so our definition of scapegoat is the one who died. No. Escape. Scapegoat. The scapegoat is the one who got away. In essence, if, if I do something wrong and then you get punished for it, I am the scapegoat because I escaped. And the Bible says it was sent into the wilderness. Because it belonged. And if you read the Hebrew, I'll show you in a few days, to an entity called Azazel. A demonic entity. One of the fallen angels. One of the watchers who fell and slept with the daughters of man. Why? Because Israel always understood. Listen, this was why the worst thing, the worst punishment you could give an Israelite was to put them outside the camp. Minus death. After death, the worst punishment for a Hebrew was to be placed outside the camp. Why? Because they understood that they were Yahweh's people. In essence, their land was cosmic geography. Remember Naaman said, give me sand from Israel that I may kneel. I need your sand to worship your God in my land. Because they understood Deuteronomy. I'll show you all this. Deuteronomy said, when God divided the, uh, the, 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 the tribes of men or the families of men, he did them according to the number, King James says, of the sons of Israel, error. It's the same number, 70. Literally means sons of God. There was a council, a bunch of, I've, I've taught you this before, demonic, well, we call it, they're demonic now, but then they were just fallen, or angelic entities, and, and God divided each nation to one. And they're the ones he's speaking to in, in Psalm 82, rebuking for how they've governed the nations. So I tell Israel, you followed other gods that were not allotted to you. In essence, these gods were allotted to these nations. And Israel understood that we live in a world with every other nation submitted to an Elohim. In essence, the practices, the cultures of those nations are designed to make the nature of their Elohim comfortable. So God says, since, notice, I sent, I divided the earth first. And then I sent you, listen, as a nation into a land that already had its own Elohim before. That's why he said kill some of the nations. Because don't, don't let their practices drop. In essence, you didn't go to virgin territory, Israel. You went to territory that had already been conditioned to support. It had already been terraformed. Take, 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 take volume up for me. Ready to be terraformed to be conducive for another spirit. Now, I told you all spirits have things in common, meaning, in essence, all spirits require altars, sacrifice. We'll see all those in a second. But the kind of spirit that governed that land would have went, gone into determining the practices and the culture and the atmosphere. So, for me to dwell among you, right? I need to give you a set of rules. 
They're not designed to be onerous. They're simply what it will take to recondition this atmosphere for me to dwell among. Remember I said to you, God's desire has all, the concept of every covenant has always been so God can dwell among his people. Does that make sense? And every time God changed the covenant, it was because the old covenant was so badly destroyed that he could no longer dwell among his people using it anymore. Adam ate the tree. I hear me somebody. The patriarchs had their flaws. The Jews so violated the Mosaic covenant, the Bible says God found fault with it, had to make another. But the concept is, what will it take for the spirit, whichever one, to say I'm at home? And so the moment that goat crossed the boundary of the camp of Israel, it belonged to Azazel. Why? Because everywhere around, in essence, wherever Israel was not, was under the control of a demonic being. And the direction the goat was going in, they knew that direction belonged to Azazel. Are you, are you hearing me, somebody? So, purity, holiness, even the principles of, 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 of kingdom empowerment, sowing, reaping, honor. Does that make sense, Tony? All these worship, all these things that we have taught as, as isolated principles to be learned and followed are simply the logical the logical consequence of the fact that we have been asked to proskineo a spirit. These principles work across the board with all spirits. You go to a Sangoma for money. He'll ask for two things. A sacrifice. And he'll command you to give money away. Because you, to, to prosper, you need two things. A sacrifice and generosity. The sacrifice is what you give to the spirit. Generosity is what you give to other men. It's the same principle in church. Y'all are quiet. Talk to me tonight. Same principle. You must sacrifice and you must be generous. That's why they throw parties. Some of them have mistresses not because they're sexually promiscuous. They need, they need, to, they, they need people to bless. And, and some silly women, the Bible calls them laden with lusts. We'll you, you become <laughs> the means by which an occultist satisfies his spirit's instruction to be generous. And you wonder why there are issues in your life as a result of that generosity. Or silly men, because these days they're sugar mummies too. They've always existed, but there's more of them. Colin, oh, you, 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 they call it Sarah. Oh, you guys have that word too. You do, because it is for a spirit to bless you, you must sacrifice to it. And you must, you must concede. Generosity is the means by which you make room for more. Generosity is you telling the spirit more. And the more generous you are, you're, you're informing the spirit, I'm spending this thing faster than you can give it. 
So the spirit begins to pump out more. Your sacrifice is your borehole. Your generosity is your tap. Are you hearing me? All spirits work that way. Now, the who determines what kind of sacrifice and what kind of generosity. So, Yahweh wants a particular type of sacrifice. It starts with the Levitical tithe. It came long. I was reading Galatians this morning, right? The Bible says about faith and righteousness that the righteousness of Abraham that came long before the law cannot be invalidated by the law. The concept of faith. We like that. We claim that, don't we? We say that, yes, Abraham believed God. And we quote Galatians chapter 3 and chapter 4, right? That because that happened before the Mosaic law, the Mosaic law has no authority over it. Well, tithing too happened before the Mosaic law. How come you want to take salvation by faith, which you should as being before the Mosaic law, but you want to leave tithing out? Hello? It's a principle. So, you see, it's the same sacrifice. Shango wants your youngest child because he's a wicked God. That's the sacrifice he wants, right? Notice, the two Elohims want to sacrifice. This one wants another human being to die to satisfy him. This other one wants, one, the sacrifice of your life and two, your money, which is a symbol of your life. In essence, since you can't physically put yourself on an altar and burn yourself and please Yahweh, when you put the money on the altar or the goat in the Old Testament, you've put the hours of your life, you worked for it. So they're both requiring a human sacrifice. One has modified his expectation to preclude murder. The other one wants you to be a murderer. Then they both ask you to be generous. This one says, I want you to take five mistresses and give them all the money they want while your wife is at home having not done her hair in months, begging you for money to feed your children. Have you seen men like that? You think they are stupid? That a man is tormenting his family financially. I'm delivering somebody. While he is, he is, I'll change your life. He's changing the life of strange women. It's, a, it's an instruction. Why? Because that spirit hates marriage. Does that make sense? That spirit is anti-Yahweh. That spirit wants to defile human society. So the spirit will not allow, in some cases, not all, the spirit is saying, you can't use my money on that woman but i want you to use it on 10 other ones but then yahweh says but spirits say you must be generous but yahweh then says a man who cannot provide for his own house is a vagabond is worse than an infidel and has denied in essence he's saying if you if you have money and your family is suffering I don't count you as a Christian. You see how the who comes into it. But notice, the who must first travel through the what. And that's why we will spend the first week or so of this journey dealing with what God is. God is spirit. Stand with me tonight.
And therefore, they that worship him, that proskineo him, they that live their lives as a living sacrifice to him, must do it, Tony, in spirit. I'll show you this week that this is why the Bible says there is a spirit in man. And it is the breath of the Almighty. For instance, we'll talk, Tony, about how spirits speak before we're done. Many of you will know now why you thought you heard God and it wasn't God. A spirit spoke to you. It sounded like God because it followed the same technology. But it wasn't Yahweh. Sila Baba. Let, ah, let's, 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 let's move. Let's shift gears tonight. Uh, it's a, it, these are nights of teaching, blessing, and prophetic declaration. We've already done some praying and prophetic declaration at the beginning, but but let's 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 Father, would you confirm your word tonight? I, I'm, Lord, I'm just a vessel, just a man, not the best of men. Lord, you know I'm, I can be a stubborn boy. I can be a slow. I can be slow on the uptake. It's taken me. 33, almost 33 years of walking with you to get here. Many got here in three years. The apostles got here in three years or more. They got further. But, 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 but thank you for the privilege to be your mouthpiece. Now, Lord, not because of me, but in spite of me, would you manifest your glory tonight? With the reality that you are a spirit, that you are spirit, I enforce it on every life or situation and every relationship with you. I pray I pray, Lord, that every altar of consecration that has calcified and fallen into disrepair because of the absence of this revelation becomes restored tonight. Moses said to Pharaoh, the God of the Hebrews has revealed himself to me. May a generation rise that can say that. May you reveal yourself to us. May you redisciple us according to your curriculum. And may we begin by understanding that you are spirit. First of all, we must proskineo you by our lives and that you are not human. You are not earthly. You are not as we have been taught about other human beings by experience. Open the heavens and pour out that glorious dimension of experience over these next few weeks in our personal lives till it becomes a reality. I want you to say after me, let's declare prophetically. Say, I am a son of God. Even if you're female, you're still a son of God. Say, I am a son of God. Oh. Oh, my ashikata. For as many as believed him, the Bible says he gave unto them power. Someone say power. To be sons of a spirit. Say, I am a son of God. I carry in me the DNA of the king spirit. So I can walk in the spirit. Mm -hmm. In the spirit. I can walk in the spirit. 
pause let me explain that before we go further when the bible says walk in the spirit tony it doesn't necessarily mean walk in the spirit realm per se remember god is the father of all spirits so every spirit was born with his dna until some fell when you walk in the spirit you walk in the alignment with the original configuration that all spirits were designed to function by in essence you are walking in a realm consistent with god and every other spirit that is still in allegiance to him and walking in so the flesh was the alternate dimension created by the spirits who fell from his glory so Tony, the flesh is itself a mirror dimension of the spirit realm the flesh is not the cup no the it's not, no the flesh what bible calls the flesh is a mirror dimension of the spirit they are similar does that make sense so in essence the spirit when we talk about being in the spirit when we talk about spiritual things when i tell you it's not like there's this planet far away that we have a vision no in essence in this room right now is the spirit and the flesh and the combination of both of them we call the spirit realm there are entities and realities and possibilities that exist in the spirit meaning the righteous dimension of the spirit realm and there are also entities and possibilities that exist in the flesh which is the mirror dimension of the spirit in essence the same way you can walk in the flesh you can walk in the spirit the choices you make automatically decide which alternate dimension you are in so when god says adam where are you he wasn't talking about the physical ground adam had switched dimensions in the same geography adam had fallen out of the spirit into the flesh and because god does not inhabit the flesh adam where are you i can't find you i know you're there i can hear you i can see you in the physical realm but you don't exist in the spirit all have sinned and fallen short in essence you no longer Fit the, 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 the requirements, that's what I'm looking for now. The, oh, the, the, what's the word for computers? The specifications. So, uh, uh, have you ever tried to download a software and it told you that your computer doesn't meet, it's not compatible, doesn't meet the, so in essence, because I'm a Mac kind of guy, you know, I believe once you go Mac, you can't go back. So let's call the, let's call the spirit Apple and the flesh Windows. Now you can flip it in your mind if you want, but for me, the spirit is Apple because I'm an Apple kind of guy, especially with my computers. There are things that run on both computers, right? There are Google Chrome will work, run on both. So that's what we call the physical world. The physical world will run on both. But then there are applications that will only run on one or the other. Secondly, even in apple there are some softwares that will not run on sierra that you need big sir or above what's the latest one now i forgot the latest apple whatever you need because the configuration is not compatible with 
the Spirit. So when God says walk in the Spirit, he's not saying, no. He means there are specifications to your life that automatically place you in this alternate dimension, the Spirit, as opposed to its mirror dimension called the flesh. So, being in the Spirit is an act of physical choices. Does that make sense? Everything you do, say, don't do, don't say. And many of us keep moving between dimensions. Spirit, flesh, spirit, flesh, spirit, flesh. That's why we are dizzy. So we never, we never travel in the Spirit because we're not in it long enough to travel. Say after me, Lord, I'm a son of God. I have the DNA of the Spirit. In this season, I will walk in the Spirit. And I will enjoy the realities that come with walking in the Spirit. Miss Deborah, you got it. I love that comment. Let's end there tonight as we begin to close. And God told Abraham, walk before me. Listen, he was saying to Abraham, there are decisions you can make that will put you in my presence. So, the, the, the real presence of God is not the feeling. The feeling is the result. The real presence of God is the dimension you move into by fulfilling certain configurations. The Bible calls them righteousness. Seek first the kingdom and righteousness. Everything else will follow. Why? Because in his presence, in essence, when you and that spirit can connect, fullness of joy, right hand, pleasures forevermore. We're back tomorrow. Tomorrow is a double dip. The service at one in the afternoon. Kingdom Culture, that's our church service. You don't have to be a part of that if you don't want to, but we welcome you if you do. And then for everybody else on this journey, we're back at 7 p.m. tomorrow. I'll be here at the Embassy Studio, live and direct, continuing this journey of faith. Remember that we are, this 40 days are leading up to the Kingdom Culture Summit. Registration is on, it's live, do the needful. Also, if you want to be uh, financially uh, invested, if you believe that this altar is one of the altars where Yahweh would have you place your sacrifice, whether it's a regular sacrifice, a tithe, an offering, or it's a one-off gift, it's a, it's a, it's a gift of, uh, of gratitude to what God has done through this platform in your life. The details are on your screen. If you want to go a step further, Chrissy, uh, the, the email, if you want to go a step further and let us know that you would like to be a financial partner with us, in essence, you want to on a regular basis be, whether it's a five or a month or five million a month, as God leads you and you're able and instructs you, or in addition to financial partnership, you can also be a part of the Kingdom Builders platform by being a prayer partner. You commit to praying regularly, not once in a year, not once in a few months, regularly for what God is doing in and through us uh, as, a, as a ministry platform. Then, then that can also get you into that forum as well. And finally, you want to your sacrifice. You say, I don't have money and I can't pray, but I can give my skill. I can give my time. I can volunteer. Uh, we would love to have you on board as well. So send us an email at contact at kculture.org. It is nine o'clock. I promised you it would end at nine and we just about did it. See you tomorrow at 7 p.m. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of his spirit. Ha! His spirit 
Be with us. So there's fellowship with the Spirit, but we'll talk about that later. Be with us now and forever. And surely goodness and mercy will follow you and pursue you all the days of your life. And we will all dwell in the house of the Lord as the goodness and mercy pursues all of us in Jesus' name. Love you, bless you, see you tomorrow.
Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for loving us. We remember where you got us from. My love, my keeper. Yes, Lord. You are our love, our keeper. Just remember, I love you, my keeper. You picked us from the mind and clay. I love you, I keeper. Everything you're my wonder. My love and I keep my everything, you're my wonder. My love and I keep my everything, you're my wonder. Jesus, yes, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, my God. Oh, my Father. Yes. Hallowed be, be to your name. Oh, my God. Oh, my Father. Hallowed be. My love and my father. My everything, you're my wonder. My love and my father. 
everything you're my wonder. of our affection We've come to pour our love on you on you Jesus Take all the glory in all of this, Lord. Pour my love on you, on you. You deserve every love on you. With this very breath, you deserve every love on you. With this very breath, we'll praise you. It is your breath in our lungs, You deserve all our worship. It is your breath to you, our lungs, You deserve every honor given to you. It is your breath in our lungs, You deserve every worship given to you. It is your breath in our lungs, You deserve. You deserve, you deserve, you deserve every love for the new. You deserve, you deserve, you deserve every worship given to you. You deserve, you deserve, you deserve every praise given to you. I love my keeper. of my affection. Yes, you are. You are, you are, you are. My love, my keep. 
That's it, that's it, that's it. Oh, hey. Merciful to me. Mm-hmm. 